This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Friday, January 27th, marked the 44th annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. The march takes place every year in protest of the infamous 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision legalizing abortion on demand. This year's march was one of the largest on record with a crowd estimated at more than a half million. As usual, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod had a strong presence at the march from LCMS members around the country, including some from the International Center right here in St. Louis. Among those in attendance were Pam Nielsen, Kevin Armbrust, and Eric Lunsford, all of the Synod's communications department. I speak with them about their experiences on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now, today's Fast Track. I'm Sarah Golseth with news in brief of interest to Lutherans worldwide. President Trump nominated appellate court judge Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court, filling the seat left vacant by the death of Justice Antonin Scalia. Gorsuch is viewed as a strict constitutionalist. When he was nominated to the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals by then-President George W. Bush in 2006, he was approved unanimously by the Senate. Despite this, at least two Democratic senators, Ron Wyden of Oregon and Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, have already said they oppose Gorsuch's appointment. Chaplain Alliance for Religious Liberty and the Christian Legal Society have filed a friend of the court brief with the U.S. Supreme Court in support of a Marine court-martialed for posting a Bible verse in her workspace. Lance Corporal Monifa Sterling posted the verse, No weapons formed against me shall prosper, a reference to Isaiah 54:17, three times around her workspace at Camp Lejeune. Her supervisor said, I don't like the tone, and told her to take them down. When Sterling declined, her supervisor took them down at the end of the duty day. Sterling reprinted and reposted the messages, but she found them in the trash the next morning. She was then court-martialed. The Boy Scouts of America announced that the group will begin accepting transgender boys, the Boy Scouts previously relied on policy that was restricted to the gender listed on the child's birth certificate. The executive order President Donald Trump issued Friday that temporarily suspends entry into the United States for most nationals from seven nations the Obama administration had already designated as potential sources for terrorists traveling here, also calls for prioritizing persecuted religious minorities for admission to the United States as refugees. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Facebook is one of the biggest social media instruments for checking out what is going on with Worldwide KFUO. On our Facebook page, facebook.com slash KFUO radio, you'll see us posting pictures, online videos, show information, as well as reviews and previews of events at KFUO. Worldwide KFUO, we are where you are, on Facebook at facebook.com slash KFUO radio. The worldwide leader of confessional Lutheranism, Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at chapel. 
Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Pastor William Whedon, LCMS Director of Worship. Jesus said some hard things in John 6, and lots of his disciples turned away and stopped following him. He asked the 12 if they wanted to go too. Peter responded for them all, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Words of eternal life, those are the words your Jesus has for you. Join me for the next broadcast of Thy Strong Word, 11 a.m. Central on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's in New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, man. No, no, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. No. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. There's a special place where rare books from times long ago come alive in your imagination. A special place where you can rediscover values that transcend time itself. A special place of adventure, mystery, and drama that's both old and new at the same time. Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on KFUO Radio. World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. This past Friday saw the 44th Annual March for Life, and the LCMS was well represented there. And in fact, I have three people in studio with me who were at the march. One is the Dr. Kevin Armbrust. One is photographer Eric Lunsford. Lunsford. Uh, I knew that. And, of course, there's Pam Nielsen, who's also there. And, Pam, I saw you on CNN, and I saw you. Was it CNN or was it one of the other? I definitely saw you on TV. Oh, my, that's a little frightening. But we, we <laughs> did get on um, even CNN for quite a while, and their video is still up on their Facebook page. And the LCMS and the Lutherans for Life contingent leads that video, which is just phenomenal. It was an amazing march. I, I watched it uh, here at the at the uh, International Center. I was able to do some live streaming on it. Um, it looked to me like it was a huge crowd, and I've seen some crowd estimates of well over a half a million, perhaps even as high as 600,000. Do we have any, any estimates? That's what I'm seeing, somewhere between half a million and 600,000. I don't know that there'll ever be a fully official count, but uh, compared to two years ago, uh, compared to last year, uh, it was wall-to-wall people. I think the thing that blew us away, we positioned ourselves down the street from the, the actual rally and then planned to join the march as it came by on Constitution. And for an hour and a half, while, while we waited for the march to come to us, maybe longer than that, Constitution was filled with people marching. They weren't even in the official march line. An hour and a half. And we kept having to push back to the sides of the street because the crowd was so thick and so, so dense. Well, one thing I noticed uh, was while there was certainly a very heavy uh, presence of religious groups, Catholics, Baptists, and, of course, the Lutherans, 
it seems to me that there were also a lot of, of uh, non-affiliated groups and people marching with us. Is that true, Kevin? Yeah, I think one of the most impressive things of the experience of the march is, is just the, the wide variety of people who were there, um, young and old, organized groups, individuals who just showed up to march, uh, like you said, religious groups, certainly. But also a lot of a lot of people that weren't affiliated with any religious organization just just are really wanting to advocate for life. Um, it was it was such an amazing experience, and, and one of the things that I think all of us walked away with, and we even talked about it, was the number of young people there, uh, the number of college age um, students and high school students, and even younger. Uh, just the the overall presence of a young contingency of people who are very interested in pro-life agenda. That's something else that struck me. And I've been noticing this in the last few marches, the uh, increased presence of younger people involved in a ca- you know, high school and college. Also, I was very impressed with the diversity of the people there I, in, in terms of, you know, I saw African-Americans, I saw Asians, uh, a, a broad range of people who are all committed to the same cause. That was another thing that, that struck me as a contrast, for example, to the Women's March in Washington, where that was a whole potpourri of you name it, whatever it was. This was a, 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 a targeted one-issue group where we, we know what it is, it, you know, the, the sanctity of life from birth until natural death. And this, is, this has been the cause. What were you hearing out there? I mean, there were some of the things I heard that really impressed me. First of all, Vice President Pence. We actually had the, the the highest rank, second highest ranking officer in the United States government actually speak and come on out and speak for us. Another one who just blew me away was the former uh, the, the former director of Planned Parenthood, who had changed her mind. What did you all hear and see on the speeches there, Pam? Uh, perhaps you can uh, give me some insight on that. Well, um, honestly, uh, we watched the speeches later in the day, but the the overriding message was one of love and compassion, one that is for something and not against something. Um, we were uh, implored to to love our neighbor in this, to be peaceful in this. And of course, this life crowd is exactly that. Um, what just stood out to me was the joy. It was just so joy filled. You had high school groups that brought their drum line and their cheerleaders, and they're, they're just filled with great joy. You had um, families pulling wagons with children and strollers, and there were balloons, and uh, there was a, a, a brass band along the side at some point. Um, there were kids doing cheers, and uh, the kind of cheers that they wanted the, whoever heard them to respond back, so there was a lot of this back and forth People were respectful. They were encouraging. Uh, and a unique thing that we did, and I think we were probably the only ones, we as Lutherans love to sing, right? And we have great hymns and liturgy. So part of our presence, besides our green hats and our, our uh, eyes of life signs, was that we just kept singing hymns, liturgy, the Lord's Prayer, um, as we marched and as we stood and waited for the march to come. And I, I saw people running ahead to, to video what they were seeing in our group. I saw people, you know, putting the thumbs up or saying, thank you, how beautiful. Um, so that that was a, a unique Lutheran witness that people really seemed to enjoy. And, and a lot of them said, you're the Lutherans, aren't you? You're singing. You know, they kind of <laughs> knew that. It was pretty interesting. So I don't know, Eric, do you have some thoughts about, about the atmosphere? Well, this is a really joyful event. I mean, there was a lot of people. 
that was a thing of joy, you know, like Pam said, and especially when it contrasts that with the March on Washington, where those people were angry. There was no happiness. There was no smiles. This one was all just joy, as you pointed out. You know, you had a really great sense of the crowd, um, and you kind of have to to borrow a football term, kind of bob and weave between people to get ready to go and make pictures. And so it kind of depends. Are, are people okay with you kind of stepping on them by accident, stepping around them? And, you know, a lot of times people are just like, hey. Here it's like, oh, yeah, sorry. People are apologizing to me for me having to kind of get in the way to get ahead to make pictures. And I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And they're like, no, no, it's all good. And that's what's great. So it, you really got a great sense of that joy. And, of course, it's just wall-to-wall people. So, uh, you you know, you couldn't couldn't get near the rally, you couldn't get close to folks, and you're trying to catch up with people. But that just what a really great event, and just to see so many people come out, it's just terrific. It, it really was. Again, just looking at it from my point of view, of course, you're sitting here in the comfort of the studio, watching and while you are, are walking and getting exhausted and all. But again, it was just a tremendous thing, and we're getting momentum here. I mean, this is the first time, I think, since the march started, that we can actually look to, to our lawmakers to actually hear us. Kevin, do you want to talk, uh, do you want to address that? Well, I think, picking up on something you said earlier also, is that you said that, that all kind of ethnic groups were represented and, and religions were, re- were represented there. And I think that's one of the most important things for us to kind of take away from this, is that this is America. This wasn't one segment of America. This was a cross-section of our entire country coming together to to march for life. And yeah, it was a predominantly Catholic event, but there were a lot, everyone was represented. And when our, when our officials spoke, including our vice president, it was a very clear message that, that this administration really wants to make life issues a priority for them. That with the opportunities that are coming up for Supreme Court justices, with other judges in our system, with other issues in both the House and the Senate, that this administration would really like to make the life agenda something important to them. And that was so encouraging to hear um, said publicly by the vice president of our country. And I would say that's one that's one thing that I really felt from the march is, is a sense of optimism and encouragement that, that really everyone said, you know, we're at a very good time in our country right now for life issues. And with the, the young people that are showing up to support this, with the political movement that's, that's occurring right now, we really have good momentum. Well, I, I've been thinking that. Uh, you know, really last year, 2016, prior to the election, was not an especially good year for religious uh, liberty or for the pro-life movement. We were seeing some very bad legislation. We were seeing some very bad executive orders. Suddenly, it all seemed to have changed. Mm -hmm. There's a sea change out there. Uh, And this was just the fact that the uh, results uh, of the election were so stunning to the mainstream media, not just at the national level, but all the way down to the state legislatures and the governors. There really seems to be a change out there. People are starting to speak their mind and, more importantly, vote their minds. Right. So where do we go from here? I spoke to Jean Mancini. In fact, I'm going to be interviewing her again for Free to Be Faithful. And she said something that really struck me. She says she's one of the few people in the country that's working to put herself out of business. <laughs> so now we've seen the uh, the president has reinstituted the uh, protocols from Mexico City that restrict abortion f- uh, funding for uh, foreign groups that that uh, in, that encourage abortion. He has promised to rescind abortion funding for Planned Parenthood or funding for Planned Parenthood. Period. 
and we do know that now there is a um, now there is a uh, uh, movement in Congress to make the Hyde Amendment permanent. And I believe the president has said he will sign that. There are other things going on, too. Pam, what is your take on that from a political point of view? What's going on? Well, I don't think I'm qualified to speak to the politics. And I think really as a country, we're going to have to wait and watch and see. There is a lot lot of moving parts. Uh, Supreme Court uh, names have been held forth today. I don't have a read on those. I don't know that we know for sure. And, and, and of course, who gets approved finally and put in that place. Uh, at our banquet for the Life Conference, um, Tim Gagline gave us some, uh, some great encouragement that there are a lot of things lining up to, to suggest that perhaps things could turn um, for us in this matter of life issues, but the, particularly abortion. But there are a lot of other life issues, mm-hmm. end-of-life issues, that um, we haven't begun to tackle. So there's a lot on the political front. But we're the church. And I, I think I'd like to just answer your question to say, where where do we go next? I mean, we, we had about 400 um, Lutherans that we're kind of aware of that were at the march. I'm sure there were more, but they didn't tell us they were there, or we discovered them later. What can the church do? Is it enough just to show up once a year and wear our green hats and carry our signs? And I guess I I hope not and I pray not. And I think, um, you know, one of the big criticisms the other side has for the pro-life movement is all you care about is not aborting babies, but you don't care about the young mother who's got this unplanned pregnancy. You don't care about the parents who have the Down syndrome child that they're going to have to raise if they don't abort it. You don't care. That's what they think. I've heard that argument. And absolutely, we do care. We do care. And we have now in the Synod two maternity homes that take in single moms in crisis pregnancies and they stay there um there's vocational training there's a place to live there's a place where they learn how to be good mothers and how to do child care we've got churches that have started uh pantries for families and 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 mothers who who need help with diapers and formula and and things like that um so i'm hopeful that our marchers go back home and think about, well, what could we do? And maybe it's just an individual that you know that one of your children's friends in school is in crisis mode with a pregnancy um, and you befriend her and her family. Or maybe you're able in your congregation to organize an effort where you assist a local crisis pregnancy clinic or or maybe start with some other churches, uh, a maternity home. There are so many, many things. Being a sidewalk counselor, um, being someone who helps teach young mothers how to mother, young families how to family, uh, how to be parents. Um, there's many opportunities for us to be actively pro-life in addition and mo- most a- also in our prayer life that we never give up um, bringing these things before our Heavenly Father, um, those who are struggling with these life issues. But Eyes of Life we talked about is echoed in um, lives of service towards our neighbor, our neighbor in need in terms of uh, crisis life situations. Something similar to that, I've also heard uh, an argument made, well, you only care about the unborn once they're, once they're born, to heck with them. But we do a lot of services to try to, to, try to place these people in good homes, these, these youngsters in good homes. This, this is part of the pro-life movement, is not just sa- saving the baby in the womb, but is to help the baby after it's born to find a good home. Eric, did you have something to say to that? 
I was thinking about all the really great folks I've met along the way in the maternity homes who have experienced just that. I mean, when you see, it's, it's easy to talk about an issue on a very large scale, right? But when you see it come down, it becomes an intimate story and you talk about someone's life, um, it's huge, right? And it's extraordinarily important. So when you see a mom who uh, doesn't know what's going to be happening for her, she's here at a maternity home, she's living there, she's awaiting you know, the birth of her boy or girl, and you see how we are there for her, how we walk along with the church. I mean, that's who we are as a church. And then actually I just got updated on a story um, that there was a really wonderful mom I met who was part of a maternity home who uh, gave birth to her second child, doing great, his baby was baptized, and now be married to the father of the baby, moved out of the maternity home, and is actually coming back to work and help in the respite care at the maternity home to bring what she has experienced back to those who who are just kind of coming to part of this. So, and that's that's tremendous and huge. A good friend of mine out in uh, California is an adoptee. I mean, she, she's now a businesswoman, uh, a mother of, of several children. She's good LCMS too, by the by. She wrote an article just recently about how thankful she was that her mother, her birth mother, gave her the opportunity to have this wonderful life that she has now, where she has married a wonderful man, has beautiful children. She's able to indulge in her career. Her daughter is in a ballet, you know, little things like that. And she was just so happy that this had been done and so thankful that she had the chance to be alive. You know, I think that is part of the thinking behind our campaign, Eyes of Life, uh, to personalize this, as Eric said, to, to make it about individuals, to tell stories about real people who someone's eyes of life were cast upon them and made it possible uh, for a mother not to abort, uh, to, to wrap her in love and support so that she made the choice for life for the family with the Down syndrome uh, child, that they have a ready support. And we've tried to do that through these stories at eyesoflife.org. We marched under those banners and we had the eyes of the people who we've told the stories because we do think um, it's it's huge until you bring it down to the individual. And that is, and that is again, where the other side wants to trip us up and say, you don't really care because what are you doing for that young girl who has that crisis pregnancy or that family who doesn't know what to do with a child that's going to be born deformed or downs or whatever? No, uh, in Christ, we have an answer. Uh, we've been shown mercy. We show mercy to our neighbor. We care for our neighbor as we've been cared for by our Heavenly Father through his son. Now, you've all mentioned the Eyes of Life program. Uh, I suspect some of our listeners may not be as familiar with it as we are. Kevin, do you want to explain how that works? Eyesoflife.org is a website that um, the LCMS has started and maintained that contains stories of people who have issues in their life that deal with life issues, um, whether it be Down syndrome or somebody who was not aborted but actually uh, was given birth and then given up for adoption, um, whether it be families who have chosen to adopt children. Um, it, there are also some end-of-life stories on there, some other stories of harrowing uh, problems in life that people have been saved from and delivered into a, a fullness of life in Christ. And so Eyes of Life is a website where uh, there are stories there are pictures and videos, and, and you're invited to read those stories and, and to 
not only appreciate what those people have gone through, but also let it be an encouragement to all of us to, to learn to see with the eyes of life. And also, um, the most important thing on the website is really the emphasis that Christ is the one who gives us eyes of life. And as you were talking earlier, you talked about adoption. And the scriptures tell us that in our baptism, we're adopted into the family of God, into the church. And that's one thing as as we seek to interact with these issues is that there's a political side to this, which is a left-hand kingdom. And we work in that kingdom mm -hmm. to bring about laws and changes in our society. But more importantly for us as Christians in our daily lives, we see everyone as people for whom Christ has died and for whom he rose. And, and this is really what gives us then our eyes of life for every situation, whether it be the issue of abortion, whether it be the issue of end of life, or whether it be a young mother struggling or a family struggling or, or actually people that aren't struggling, just people in our lives. We see all of them through the death and resurrection of Christ. We see these people in our lives as our neighbors, people that God loves so much that he sent his son to die for them. And that's really our motivation then to love, not just in political issues, not just in situations, but in every situation, we live out the love of Christ. And that's really the point of eyes of life, is you learn to see holistically with eyes of life. And they say that the eyes are the window to the soul. Right, exactly. And I could see that in the march where you were carrying all of these, these pictures, these close-ups of the eyes from small children to old people the very end stage of their life and everyone in between and they are seeing their life they are seeing what the life is and just the image is conveying to us the story of life as well well we're about out of time kevin and pam and eric I want to thank you so much for being on the program with me, and thank you so much for your participation at the march. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome, Kim. Okay. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.